Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. My dear friends, because I am aware of your pastoral needs and am confident of Father Ryan Mann's qualifications for the office of pastor, I now commend Father Ryan to you as your new pastor. And that's before your homily. (laughs) Thank you, Bishop. Thank you all very, very much. It was a week ago, uh, exactly to the day, uh, the bishop and about 10 other priests were in Little Italy together. And we had, it was the Feast of the Assumption, and it was Mass. And then after Mass, we walked the streets saying the rosary. And uh, at one point, the bishop leaned over to me and said, "Uh, next week's your week, right? I said, "Uh, it is, yeah. And he goes, Listen, you preach, but then I have a lot to say at the end. And I said, so I don't want to belabor this, but I want to, uh, I want to just say some of my thank yous at the beginning of my homily. Uh, one quick announcement and then actually do a, a little homily and we'll let you have the end like you wanted, okay? That'll be good. All right, good. So um, just a big thank you to Bishop Molesic for being here, for installing me as the fourth pastor. Uh, I have friends from all over the country who are priests and they don't always, uh, let's say, it's not always easy to like your bishop, but it's pretty easy to like you, Bishop Lessig. So thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> On the back of the worship aid is a lot of my thank yous, but just to kind of highlight for most of you here from St. Basil's, you may not know some of the priests up here. So uh, to the far left here, this is Father Jack Carlin. He was my first pastor at St. Charles Borromeo, so I was newly ordained. I was sent to him, and any of my stories that I have or most of my understanding of being a pastor comes from Father Carlin. So I'm thank you very much for being here, Father Carlin. It means a lot to me. We're going to skip over you because everyone knows. We'll come back to you. <laughs> Next up is Father Barry. Father Barry was the pastor at St. John Newman where I was at right before St. Basil the Great. We... Uh, We were side by side for a year, then we made it through the quarantine time of the pandemic. We only got in one fight, and so we did pretty good. And uh, I'm very happy you're here, Father Barry, so thank you for being here. And those of you who are my friends and from other places, you may not know him, but uh, this campus, the reputation of St. Basil, largely was built up under one man's shepherding for many years, and I'm very glad he came here uh, to let you know that he also can give me the thumbs up. But uh, Father Walt Jenny right there in the center, so thank you.
as I look out, I just see so many people I didn't even know were going to be coming here. So I'm just I'm really kind of surprised. So good to see all of you. And it's just great to see so many people who I know I love a lot. And uh, most of you love me. And then even if you don't, I'm so glad you're here to support me. So uh, <laughs> it's great to, really good to see all of you. And I put it in the worship aid, uh, but I mean it. The best joy of my life is being a part of the priesthood, not in general, but in Cleveland. And these guys over here are some of my closest friends. Um, some of them offer me the sacrament of confession at times, so I'm very grateful for them. <laughs> but the, these guys I'm vacationing with, sharing my soul with, my life with. No one understands you better than another priest, and I'm so grateful for all of you guys being here. Thank you very, very much for being my brother and being my priest with me. So thank you. All right, so just a little homily because we said Father Bishop Molesic has something to say at the end too. So one of the marks of God's calling in anyone's life is that he calls you to something beyond what you can do. And it can sound so exciting at first because it's like, wow, God's going to call me to something amazing and excellent. But it also means that you have to taste your limits. That built into the call of God is that I can't but you can. Anyone here who's been in a 12-step program or knows people who has, there's a lot of wisdom coming out of those groups, and they sum up the first three steps. I can't, you can, so I'll let you. But it's the basic logic of the gospel is God comes to earth, looks people in the eye, and says, I want you to leave everything that you feel competent, comfortable, and capable in, and I want you simply to radically follow me. And we, start, we dress it up 2,000 years later as the apostles and martyrs and saints, and it's amazing. But the first movement of this calling is a really humbling tasting that, Lord, what you're calling to me to is exciting, but it's really hard, and it's really beyond what we can do. And so that's why you have Jesus teaching so much about poverty. It's not necessarily material poverty, but it's this kind of existential or heart-level poverty where we are finally at peace with the fact that we don't have what it takes. And if we're close to God, that's totally okay. But if we don't have what it takes and we take it to all sorts of people or groups and organizations in the world, we're going to get taken advantage of hurt and let down. And our weakness, our poverty, our need is going to be misused. But when we share it with God, it becomes the very place in our lives where grace and miracles can flow. But see, the first movement is so annoying to our egos, we often balk, we just keep trying harder and think that if I can do it perfect, maybe then I'll feel at peace. This is what's going on in the Annunciation story in the Gospel with the Blessed Mother. Mary, without sin, is totally in love with God. She loves the Father. She wants to do whatever God wants. She's never even wavered. And then she hears what that plan's going to look like. You're going to bear the Son of God, and he's going to save the world. And she's like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> and then she thinks, uh, I'm a virgin, and I don't yet have a husband. And so she's a 14-year-old Jewish girl, very practical, says, uh, how's that going to work out? Right? She took her limits. 
she took the overwhelmingness of God's call and she just stayed in relationship. She didn't go off on her own, figure it out. She didn't trust in her own efforts. She didn't say, well, I know a guy. I figured this out. She stayed right with God and opened up all of her vulnerability, all of her weakness, all of her fears and longings and hopes. And she heard this response when she said, I, that's not possible. I can't do it. She heard, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In essence, God through Gabriel is simply saying, I got you. It's kind of weird. We think ourselves and each other should be capable, confident at all times. You should feel confident. You should feel capable. You should be ready to go. You should hand, be able to handle life. Do you know who doesn't expect that from us? God. God's never once thought, oh, I bet they'll be fine. Never once. He always knew we'd need a help, a redeemer, a savior. And that's why the Blessed Mother opens her whole weakness up to God and says, I, I don't know how to do this. He says, I got you. And miracles poured forth right in her poverty. In the very weak spot that you and I try to hide, try to dismiss, we might even hate about ourselves, that very spot is the spot where God says, I will shine brightest from that spot if you let me. I won't force or coerce, but I invite you. Would you trust me? I'm a faithful, powerful, loving father. I will not let my sons and daughters sit in darkness, despair, and loneliness. I was meditating on this the last few days because as I was reading that gospel passage, that's in many ways how I felt when I came to St. Basil the Great. So Bishop Molesic actually came one month after I did. So we were in the pandemic. We didn't have a bishop. Where is he? Father Don Alexiak. At the time, he was the administrator for the diocese. Him and Father Dan Schlegel said, uh, it was right actually at the end of the quarantine time, we had a meeting, they said, we'd like to send you to St. Basil the Great. I said, okay. Um, I said, and I remember saying, I thought another parish in the diocese, that you guys didn't want to send a young guy there because it was too big. And they said, no, no, that was a different place. You're going to go here. I said, okay. <laughs> so I remember coming here in a pandemic without a bishop, Never once thought about finances in my life or anyone else's. <laughs> Never even conceived of being what it means to be a boss and care for a staff, or let alone have a staff, let alone five buildings. And I think the newest census we just did as an office last six months, 4,100 families. I, I, just, I was like, all right. So I remember just thinking, all right, I just got to try really hard. And we'll just see how that goes. And Diane, our business manager, I remember being in her office about eight months in, just being like, the try harder, I can't, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so mad because almost every other thing in my life, I just knew if I tried harder, it would work. And now God put me in a place where I could work 20 hours a day, seven days a week, and you guys have more needs than I could ever meet. The parish grounds have more needs. The vision for the future has more needs. And I just couldn't do it. 
And I remember time in and time out, day in and day out, in prayer and out of prayer, constantly wrestling with, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm only an administrator. Maybe I can get out. That's closed now. But... <laughs> And one of those tough days, I happened to see the bishop somewhere because he had an interview with me to send me here. We met right here in our chapel. And he said, he said you look happy today. I said, I think I'm having a good day. He goes, a couple weeks ago, I saw you. And I thought, uh-oh, is he going to ask to leave? <laughs> and it's because this is the way of God. God does not lead us so that we can feel comfortable, capable, confident at every step along the way. We wouldn't be his children then. We'd be the parents. But he calls us children because he wants us to need him. There's a lot of families here, and I know all their kids very well. They always, they'll probably sick me after Mass and jump all over me. But I watch when I go to their houses, and their kids have no shame with saying, Hey, Mom, can you get me dinner? Or, Dad, can you grab that book? They have no problem expressing their needs and weaknesses. There's no shame. But somewhere along the way, we think our needs and weaknesses become a liability rather than holy. And on this day, the feast of the queenship of Mary, where the church says Mary's queen and mother, there's something about the weakness and needs of the heart going together with a mom that just makes so much sense. Kids, when they're around their dad, will still try to act fine, and they'll just fight back tears. I'm good, I'm good. And then as soon as mom hugs, the tears start coming. Because there's a comfort, a presence that a mom brings that says you're allowed to be weak. You're allowed to be a mess. And so Jesus knew what he was doing when he left us even his mom. It was the built-in message that I don't ever need you to be strong, capable, or have it all together. I just need you to need me. And he'll take care of the rest. And today on the feast of the queenship of Mary, who is our mother, why don't we together offer a simple prayer that we learned when we were kids. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.